Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. The book of Joel, one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament, is very short, only three chapters. Yet interestingly, the phrase, the day of Jehovah, is used five times in these three chapters. The day of Jehovah corresponds to the New Testament phrase, the day of the Lord, as in such verses as 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 2, For you yourselves know perfectly well that like a thief in the night, so the day of the Lord comes. Whether in the Old Testament or the New, it's a very specific phrase that points not just to the Lord's coming in a general way, but specifically to the day when the Lord comes to establish His judgment on the earth. In that day, the day of the Lord, all other judgment will be rendered meaningless and vain, especially our own judgment. This matter is a central point in the book of Joel, but it requires the whole Bible to gain a proper and accurate view concerning it. Matt Miller is here as we begin our life study of Joel. Interesting, Matt, this program or this life study of Joel opens up with a very major point, doesn't it? It does, Chris, and I'm quite sobered as we come here today to cover this life study. I feel like Joel, life study message number one is critical, and uh, we're going to see that today as we go on. Critical because it points out, uh, we'll see in the first section, just kind of a general introduction with some history, uh, you know, what you normally associate with the first message in a study, in a Bible study, touching a new book. But it won't be long before Witness Lee really begins to touch his burden, and that is the burden of this program, very much concerning the day of Jehovah, as now we're in the Old Testament, we'll use the Old Testament rendering of this phrase. I think we'll see a number of verses quoted before we're done today. The phrase appears many, many times in Scripture, generally associated with the Lord's coming, but as we're going to see, I think, and I already tried to point out in the opening. It's a specific aspect of the Lord's coming, isn't it, that we want to be focused on? Absolutely, Chris, and that's why it's sobering. Uh, Many times when we refer to the Lord's coming or the day of the Lord, we sometimes will refer to encouragement or a hope, a comfort. The Lord's coming will be a comfort. But in this sense of the day of the Lord, we're talking about he's coming in the sense of judgment. And his judgment will begin at the beginning of the Great Tribulation, which is the last three and a half years of this age before the Lord physically appears. And then during a thousand-year millennial kingdom, where then at the end of that will be the great white throne judgment. So the day of Jehovah or the day of the Lord for his judgment will take about a thousand and three and a half years. It's a big period. Just because it says a day, it doesn't mean physically a day. That's representing a time period of the Lord's judgment. And There's one uh, verse that I think is important. It's Acts 10.42. It shows us that the Lord has been designated by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. So when he comes back initially at the end of this age, before the millennium, he will judge the living. They will be judged. That's at the throne of his glory as described in Matthew 26. But at the end of the thousand years, you have another description 
called the great white throne judgment. And at that throne of judgment, he will judge the dead. So he will judge the living and the dead. It's a very uh, clear picture, and I hope we can really, through the Lord's mercy, convey it in today's program. This is a general topic, Matt, that is, uh, I think, widely misunderstood or widely speculated about. And of course, we're we're speaking just according to the light that we have, and we believe that it's accurate from everything we've been able to see in Scripture following you know, the teaching of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee on this matter. Uh, but actually, there's a, even a third judgment seat. There's the, as you refer to, the throne of glory for the living, the throne of the great white throne of judgment at the end of the thousand years for the dead. There's also the judgment seat of Christ, which is the judgment seat where the, we, the believers, the body of Christ, will actually face him. Not a judgment concerning our eternal destiny, but nonetheless, the matter of God's judgment is a big item associated with his coming. And you're right, we often treat this whole topic very lightly. You know, we talk about the Lord's coming and not that serious a vein frequently, but this one, this aspect, there's enough to sober all of us, isn't there? There is, Chris, and we're going to do the best we can with the grace the Lord's given us for today's radio program. But I really want to recommend the life study of Joel, message number one, as well as the recovery version with the footnotes, and at the end of the recovery version is a chart that outlines all these things at the last week, which is the last seven years of this age and the coming of Christ in more detail than we're going to be able to do on the radio, even though we're going to try. Right. We'll have to give it a kind of a broad brush today. So I'm glad that you already recommended uh, some of the resource materials we'll talk about at the end of the program again. Okay. We said five times in this book. Uh, Let's read the first of those five references. It's in chapter 1, verse 15. Alas for the day, for the day of Jehovah has drawn near, and as the destruction from the Almighty, it will come. And Matt, uh, this reminds us of a verse in the New Testament. Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, speaks very similarly, and he's referring to Joel in, as he did on the day of Pentecost, again here, uh, a clear reference to Joel. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements burning with intense heat will be dissolved, and the earth and the works in it will be burned up. Who? I'm sober already, Matt, as you are. You know, Chris, the footnote on that verse in Second Peter 3 is really a good one on this point of the day of the Lord. Well, if we have time, we'll try to get to it. And if not, uh, there's another thing we can recommend at the end of the day, at the end of the program. Here's Witness Lee with our first portion. We come to another book, which is very, very short. Joel is a real continuation of Hosea. But this book is more, more excellent, more, more wonderful, and more, more mysterious. Now, the first message is uh, taking care of the introductory word and the day of Jehovah. The day of Jehovah is too big a subject in the Bible, and it is somewhat quite confusing, very, very confusing. But if we do get into the prophecy of the Bible, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we'll understand the day of the Lord. The day of Jehovah is the Old Testament term. In the New Testament, it is the day of the Lord. Now, the introductory word. Joel, in Hebrew, means 
Jehovah is God. G-O-E-L. E-L is L. That means God. Right? God. The time of Joel's ministry is about 800 B.C. The subject of this book is the devastation of the human government on Israel in four stages and the destruction of Christ over the devastators and his reign among Israel in the restoration. First, the devastation. Secondly, Christ's destruction. And thirdly, Christ's reign in the restoration. That means his reign in the thousand-year kingdom. Now, the central thought the central south is the nations likened to locusts. These uh, nations, as locusts, devastate Israel consecutively in four empires. Sham Nebuchadnezzar, the first king of Babylon, to Antichrist, the last Caesar of Rome. In between, you still have Persia and Greece, right? Firstly, the Babylonian Empire. Secondly, the Medo-Persian Empire. Thirdly, the Macedonian Grecian Empire. Lastly, the Roman Empire. Four empires. This is based upon what? The big human image seen by Daniel. They will be overcome and terminated by Christ because Daniel 2 shows aha, eventually a stone not hewn by human hand, that means by God, will come down from the heavens to smite that big human image. That means to smite the human government into pieces. And that stone is just Christ. Christ. And Christ not individually, but Christ corporately. Well, man, we're, we're just touching one giant topic after another one in this program. Uh, we'll save the Day of Jehovah for the last two sections, but this one, uh, we do have to spend a little time talking about this uh, a central focus, this topic that uh, occupies Joel, especially related to Daniel chapter 2, where Nebuchadnezzar has this startling dream of this great human image that ultimately gets smashed by a stone, and Daniel is able to interpret it for him. And it really reveals the coming history of Israel, doesn't it? It does, Chris. And Witness Lee just summarized that great image in four historical categories of people. The first one was the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonian Empire. And the next one, that was the golden head in right. the image in Daniel chapter 2. The next one was the Medo-Persian Empire. The third one was the Macedonian Grecian Empire. And then the fourth section or group was the Roman Empire. And that is going to cover all of human history and all of human government from the time that Daniel wrote that in 600 B.C. approximately. So uh, that really is going to eventually usher in the kingdom of Christ where that whole image is struck at the feet with the stone that's uncut, which is a picture of Christ as the smiting stone. And then that stone after the image of all human governments being collapsed, that stone that's uncut, which is Christ, 
becomes a great mountain, and that's the kingdom of God. This really does connect to this matter of the day of the Lord. I mean, we're seeing the stone smashing these four great um, human governments, eras of human government. And these are the four great empires of Western history. Uh, even I think most uh, Bible scholars, at least those who accept a kind of a dispensational interpretation of the end time, recognize that the Roman Empire has even just been sort of suspended, uh, put on pause in a sense, and uh, it will resume again prior to the coming of the Lord, doesn't it? It does, and and we see that even with the European Union, because that's where the restored Roman Empire will be. And uh, so we really see things coming together for this. But the result of the judgments, the result of the day of the Lord will be the manifestation of Christ. We have to remember the manifestation of Christ is the positive goal in God's economy as the result of the judgments in the day of the Lord. Okay, let's come to this matter of the day of the Lord, the day of Jehovah. And as we pointed out and have been speaking here, it relates very much to judgment. Now, there's a phrase that counters this one in uh, 1 Corinthians 4. I want to read that in Paul's word. It's in stark contrast to the day of the Lord. And I think our listeners will probably pick it up now. I'll try to emphasize it a little bit without being too dramatic. But to me, Paul writes again, 1 Corinthians 4, beginning at verse 3. But to me, it is a very small thing that I should be examined by you or by man's day. Rather, I do not even examine myself, for I am conscious of nothing against myself, but I am not justified in this. But he who examines me is the Lord. So then, do not judge anything before the time, until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then there will be praise to each from God. The day of the Lord and man's day. We're clearly in man's day today, aren't we, man? We are, Chris. All right, here's Witness Lee with our second portion. Now, the day of Jehovah. The day of Jehovah in this book is the day of the Lord in the New Testament. Day is mainly used in the sense of the Lord's judgment for his governmental dealing. The day of the Lord means the judgment of the Lord for his governmental dealing with the people on this earth. Before the law comes, it is man's day, in which man judges until the Lord comes. And this is clearly revealed in 1 Corinthians 4, verses 3 to 5. After the Lord comes, it will be the day of the Lord, in which the Lord judges. You know, today is the day of man. And today, uh, in the families, the wives judge the husband. And today, even the children judge the parents. In a sense, today, especially to the end of this age, everybody judges. You judge me, I judge you, everybody judges. In the school, it's hard to teach. All the students criticize. Who is not a king today? Claiming human right. This is today, this man's day. But one day will come. That will be the day of the Lord. He will be the judge. He will stop all the judgings. He will give the final word. Well, Matt, I I couldn't help but feel as he's speaking there, 
we are really in man's day. We are in the age of judgment. Everything, everyone is expressing their opinion, has a judgment on everything. All this will change in a very short amount of time at the Lord's appearing on it. It will, Chris. And the next section is really a good answer to this because we're going to see in detail how that day of the Lord comes upon us in the book of Revelation. But we really are in man's day, and I think every genuine Christian longs in their heart for a righteous judgment coming from the day of the Lord. Well, I think because there's so much in this last portion, as you said, now we're, uh, you know, we've already touched Daniel 2. Now we come to another huge section, the book of Revelation, which really needs to be understood along with Joel to get a good uh, understanding of this day of the Lord, this day of Jehovah that's coming. I'd like to read a few of these verses, Matt, in Revelation 6, because you brought up earlier, the day really begins with the great tribulation, this three-and-a-half-year period that culminates the age we're presently living in, but continues for the entire thousand-year period of the Lord's earthly reign. He's occupying the throne of David uh, in Jerusalem, in the temple, and exercising his judgment over the whole earth in a righteous way for a thousand years. So that's, that's the day of the Lord that is coming. And it's talked about in Revelation 6, verses 12 through 17. And I saw when he opened the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black like sackcloth, made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. And heaven was removed like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the generals, and the rich, and the strong, and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. And they say to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him who sits upon the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Well, I think that says enough. Let's join Witness Lee. The final day of Jehovah, the Lord, will begin at the sixth seal and end at the judgment of the great white throne. From the sixth seal to the beginning of the thousand-year kingdom, it will be only a little over three and a half years. That will be mainly the time of the great tribulation, three and a half years, and all these numbers you could see in Daniel and in Revelation. This is a little over three and a half years before the thousand years. And then the white throne will be at the end of thousand years. So the day of the Lord will be lasting for one thousand and little over three years. Quite a long time. From the time of the sixth seal to the judgment of the white throne of the dead, this period of time, whatever will take place, is a kind of judgment. Judgment by the Lord. So this is called the day of the Lord. The white throne judgment is the end of the day of the Lord. Then the heavens and the earth will be renewed with uh, intense burning heat to be the new heaven and the new earth for the new Jerusalem. I tell you, to have the heavens and the earth burned 
with the intense burning heat. That is also a part of the day of the Lord. So actually, the day of the Lord ends with this burning because all the heaven, all earth, will be still the old creation. And the old creation has been polluted, contaminated by Satan's rebellion and man's fall. Satan's rebellion and man's fall, the two things polluted the universe, polluted the heaven and the earth. So eventually, the heaven and the earth should be baptized into fire to be renewed and to be the new heaven and new earth for the new Jerusalem. Well, this is the day of the Lord. Matt, you alluded to this earlier, but this age is so filled with corruption and pollution on every level. And, you know, we turn on the TV or we glance at a billboard. We cannot help but be uh, contaminated ourselves. And uh, as believers, many times when we pray, there is just this unutterable groaning related to the Lord's coming to set it aright. And even the things in us, uh, we're, we're kind of experiencing a judgment day by day, aren't we, in our own Christian life that we would be purified for this day. We are, Chris, and uh, Lord have mercy on us all that we would all, it's very sobering to talk about the coming of the day of the Lord. And you mentioned uh, the sixth seal. You read the verses about that in Revelation 6. And I think it's helpful for the listeners if they could get a real clear picture in Revelation. There's seven seals. And the sixth seal begins the great tribulation. And just by the virtue of the fact that it's a seal means it's hidden. So this is going on in a hidden way. And at the sixth seal, it opens up great tribulation. And then in Revelation 8, we start with the seventh seal. Let me read Revelation 8, 1 and 2. And when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. That's how serious this seventh seal is. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. So right away, now it's it's no longer hidden as a seal. These are seven trumpets where God's judgment is going to be open. It's going to be clear. And we're not going to get into the details of those trumpets because we don't have time. But we'd encourage the listeners to look at it because these trumpets are trumpeting God's judgment, which is full of the woes. And at the last trumpet is when Christ will come. I mean, this is the last trumpet. But in the last trumpet are seven bowls, which have more woes and calamities poured out upon man, these these bowls of judgment poured out, all as part of the day of the Lord and his judgment on this evil age. Matt, I think there's so many details, at least we've been able to uh, uh, give reference to a few of them. But, you know, you you must get into these chapters in Revelation. We highly recommend that you would supplement that with, uh, you know, with the commentary provided in the footnotes of the recovery version or the life study messages from Revelation. Let's talk a little bit and spend a minute and uh, tell people where they can get these resources that will help open up and define what the day of the Lord really is that's coming. Well, the first way is to call our toll-free number, which is 888-LIFE-STUDY. Uh, Another way is to go to the internet and just go to lsm.org where we have the life studies available to read. We have the recovery version available to read. So it's all readily available. There's no reason why a seeker and lover of the Lord wouldn't be able to avail themselves to this rich 
ministry. Both Watchman Nee and Witness Lee spent uh, years and years and years of their lives uh, studying not just these verses, but the writings and the commentators of the great men that God had raised up in prior generations to help unveil and open these things up. Primarily, this is not certainly fresh teaching from them, but a compilation of the best of uh, the commentary and the understanding and the exposition on these passages. So these are so valuable, these resources that we've been talking about. Again, the website is just lsm.org. You can follow the links uh, where you can read online uh, these portions out of the recovery version, out of the uh, life study messages, and it'll tell you how to order the, the materials for yourself if you'd like. Uh, and again, of course, all of our past radio programs is, uh, are there as well. Again, if you'd like to call us, we'll help you and walk you through some of these steps if you're a little intimidated by the Internet yet. Our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Well, that's all the time we have for today. For Matt Miller, I'm Chris Wilde, and thanks very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.